Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and I'm so thrilled today to be joined by Flew Laborb to talk all about the Apple TV Plus movie, Luck. And the first thing I wanted to talk about a little bit is, is kind of how you started to envision this character based on the script that you were reading, and then how, once you saw some of the initial sketches and design of Jeff the Unicorn, how did that evolve or enhance the ideas that you'd already started to come up with in your mind? Hi, Mara. Yes, uh, that's really a fun thing to think about because... In the beginning, there, there isn't an animatic yet or an animation yet. So we are beginning with uh, just the ideas and inspirations um, from, from the writer and director, Kiel uh, and Peggy. So it was fun to just begin with this. And then when we received, when I received some of the animations, it did make me want to try things a little different, sometimes a little more serious or sometimes a little more goofy. Uh, it just depends on on kind of what we are seeing with the animation. So it's a fun little progress and process. I'm very excited how it turned out. Let me just say this. I feel very lucky that I'm in this. No pun intended. And you've got such an extensive list of projects where you've done voiceover work before in, in animation. Um, and I was interested when you first kind of started doing animation, because there's so many unique challenges that come with it. What were some of the initial learning curves of just figuring out that particular space in terms of voicing animated characters for you? I was very lucky, I must tell you. So I just, be, the thing I found is if you go into something very clueless, but very committed, usually good things will happen. And so I did this with this. I did not really understand the space. So I thought I will just go 2000%. Let's see what happens. And then that is actually a great attitude, I think, because you can make many mistakes quickly. You can realize in animation that it doesn't really matter. If you say it wrong, you can say it again very easy to do a hundred times. And then with animation, the process is so long because it is so difficult and time consuming for these geniuses to build this whole thing around you and your voice that you can come back in four months or six months or a year and do a new record that helps make it even better. And so there's a lot of freedom. Was, was that the case with Luck as well? Did you, did you do all of your recording in one go or did you come back once they'd animated some of the scenes based on what you'd originally taped? Yes, the, the second piece. So we recorded, uh, we recorded in the beginning in my closet uh, because it was like height of the pandemic. And then months later, we did, I think, two more sessions. But there was always enough space that they are developing things, realizing some things that maybe I did that didn't make sense or didn't work and some things that did work. So we should do more of this. And so also you're rewriting as you go many times. So it was a process that took a long time, which is very fun because I get to like do the session, leave, have a life, eat a snack, eight months go by and they've done hundreds of thousands of hours of work on this and it looks amazing. And then I get to come in and then I get all of this undeserved credit as, in, as was like speaking with you. This should, I shouldn't be here. So I'm very lucky. With the fact you were just mentioning that, that you had to kind of create a setup in your closet because of COVID, everything being done remotely, did you have a setup that you'd already created for any other projects or, or was it building it out specifically for this one? Well, it was my closet just stuffed with as many strange bell-bottom pants and high-knee socks as I can fit. And then with this, they, they had very specific recording equipment they would like me to use because, oh, nice. I like that shout out. Look at that casual <laughs> Where are you from? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I can't right, right, no flags. Just oh, there we go. <laughs> um, <clears throat> no, but they had very nice equipment that they brought in that uh, I then uh, had to set up to use for this because it's a film. You know, it's not a podcast. It's got to be woot, woot, very great quality. 
And what, what was that dynamic in terms of working with Peggy Holmes, who was the director? Because again, the two of you couldn't be together in person to do this. Um, and so what, what was kind of the general process of how you would work on scenes together virtually with you recording in your home? Well, with so many voiceover jobs, I think, especially since the pandemic has started, it's almost all with Zoom. So, and we, I think have now learned a little bit how to connect in real ways and authentic ways with people over Zoom. So in this way, it was great. You know, we can still communicate, we can connect in a live way. If it was only voice, I think this would be weird, but I could see her on the screen. I could watch and see if, if she enjoyed something I did or if she had some ideas or Kiel, the writer also. So it was fun in this way and not as strange as you would think. Four years ago, we would think this is insane. But now it's a, a thing I think that is now a normal part of our lives. Yeah. And because with voiceover as well, very frequently you're, you're delivering a performance without a scene partner in the room with you. Was that also the case with this or did you have an opportunity to, to kind of have a Zoom session where you were working alongside someone like Eva who voices Sam or was it that usual kind of solo without a scene partner? Yeah, it's, as you said, the solo without the scene partner situation. But that's okay. We are all actors and performers and part of our fun time is to use our imagination and to try things. And so in this way, look, maybe if I did a terrible job, it's nice that Eva isn't there to witness it. It's just me and Peggy and I'm just embarrassing myself for two people instead of three. So in this way, it's kind of nice. And also you can try stuff, which I think is also fun. Yeah. What, what are some of the challenges that come, you know, particularly in doing scenes like this, where you're, you're kind of bringing a lot of energy, there's a lot of pacing, there's kind of a comedic back and forth when it yeah. is just you delivering one side of the dialogue. How do you, how do you work about calibrating and finding that sense of rhythm and pacing and humor? Well, you, you do your best, you use your instincts, but I will tell you, I've edited things before. It's the edit. You know, there are things that in my recording, maybe I didn't do it quite right, or I left a little too much space but these are geniuses at work. After you give them these pieces, they can make things seem much funnier than they were before, you know? So in many cases, or the animation is wonderful. If with the animation helps feed the audio. So it's a give and take that you can make, they are making things much better than I did just by me sitting there in my board shorts in a closet recording unicorn sounds. And in terms of, of character development for a project like this, I was interested in how that looks like any other character that you would work on alongside where there might be spaces that are a little bit different because you're playing a character who has a backstory, who has a history, who has wants and needs and things that they love in the world. And at the same time, you're playing a mystical creature within the world of luck within this film as well. And so how is it a very traditional character development process against some of the spaces where you're perhaps doing things a little bit differently with that in mind? I think it's fun to just pretend that uh, we are anthropomorphizing, if that's the word, all of the things, is that the word anthropomorphizing? It's one of those two, let's Google it. But it's a Jeff the Unicorn is, to me, it's a human person inside a unicorn body in this way. Like it has feelings, he has thoughts, he has life experience. So I don't focus on this thing as much, except for the horn and the delicious mustache. I just focus on what if me, Flula, was feeling these things and then I was also wearing a unicorn suit while I was doing it. And what, what's that process for you in terms of figuring out what the voice of, of a character like Jeff the Unicorn is going to be? Is it something where you just sit there with the script and try around different things? Does more of it come out when you're recording or how do you kind of find the specific delivery? Yeah, both. I like to read things ahead of time if I can and get a sense of, of what may work. But then the real work for me is when you are working with uh, the director, the writer and the director uh, and figuring it out as we go, they can then give you immediate feedback. And as I was saying, we record something now, but in four months, 
we may realize, ah, that's not the right vibe. And this guy, actually, we would like him to look a little or feel a little different than this. So it's, that's a nice thing. We can always re-record the voice. The animation, this takes time, lots of time and effort. But my voice, I mean, I could just sit there and do it. And what, what were some of the initial characteristics and traits that you saw even in the pages of the script when you first read it that were really important to you in terms of forming this character? I love that he's a combination of playful, but also earnest and serious. Uh, he likes to be uh, organized and have things together, but at the same time, loves to meet people and be gregarious when he can. And also he has this love relationship, a romantic relationship uh, with this with Babe the Dragon played by Jane Fonda. So to do all of these things together, that was a fun thing for me to work on and think about. Yeah, and he's, he's, got, he's got a real charisma and optimism and, and exuberance in him. Um, how do you set about kind of finding the, the tonality and making sure that all of those elements come forth in each of the lines that you're delivering? Well, many times I bet you it didn't. And I'm sure they're like, well, that was a terrible delivery. But, but the third one was great. You know, so it's, it's like, that's a nice thing about this is you can try it many times. And sometimes you will deliver a thing you think sounds really good and it's not good or it doesn't work for what, for what uh, Peggy might have in mind. So many times it's just a collaboration. You do, I do the best I can. I try it. That's a wonderful thing is you can try things several times. That's what's so great about animation. You can play around until you get it just the way you want. Yeah. And it also allows you a space, like you're saying, to, to improv as well. Obviously, you're delivering the lines from the script, but there is also the ability to try different versions, you know, change a word here and there and see how, how that creates a different response for your character. Were there any particular moments that you remember really playing around with that? Or what, what does that give you in terms of creative freedom, just knowing that you have that space? Yeah, there are some very fun moments. And I will say one because it's in the trailer, but uh, there's a, a workout moment where Jeff Jeff is exercising and I, I just was allowed to kind of riff and go and see what happens. And what's really good is doing a lot of that stuff. Maybe none of it is actually good or usable, but it warms you up and it kind of takes away this like uh, everything is precious. It must be perfect. It's not like that when you can just loosen up and try some very dumb things and then you're ready to just play. And the, the script itself, they also gave you script pages that had alternative versions of all of the scenes as well. Um, what were some of the different directions that these alt scenes would, would take Jeff in? Uh, well, one thing we played with a lot was how much or how little German to use and also how to pronounce things because it's something that I would say naturally may not be understandable uh, to a traditionally English-speaking audience. So we were kind of like trying the layers and the, and the levels of how German do we make this guy? And also like how weird, because my character also is telling some of the story and plot. So if you don't understand what he's saying, you're, you're very confused. So it was important to like balance making sense with being entertaining. You know, you were talking before a little bit about some of some of the creative freedom of this. And, and especially when you look at your career, you know, a lot of it is stemmed in, in different spaces where you found a lot of ways to have creative freedom, you know, particularly when you look at creating your own content in YouTube. How do you feel that that doing something like that and having such a direct connect and seeing how people are responding to your work, the feedback you're getting, what's resonating has really helped to to shape and form you as a creator over the years? I think the most important thing has been for me to just create stuff because mm -hmm. sometimes what fans want, why do I use quotes? What the people want isn't necessarily good for you. You know, I'm sure, uh, you know, Metallica got tired of playing, uh, you know, Enter Sandman after year 35. 
like, okay, look, it's, yeah, it's a song about Sandman. Great. Can we do something new? They're like, no, more Sandman. So sometimes it's good to have this as a general guide, but most important is to just keep trusting your own stuff, but using people's, uh, what they enjoy as a small guide, not the entire guide. Yeah. I've heard you in the past as well talk a little bit about how, you know, because the industry always likes to, to place people into categories a lot, and particularly with your career working in so many different facets, that there's kind of a necessity sometimes to try to push back against expectations. Do you find for you that that is, that is just about continuing to do the work in, in different arenas within the industry? Or how do you set about doing that for yourself? Well, being typecast is wonderful because it means you got cast. So that can be very great. And I, I love that. But you really need to show human people uh, things that you can do. It's, it's, we don't really, unfortunately, the imagination is a little limited sometimes. People can only see you doing what you are doing and they can stretch a little bit, but not a lot. And so that's why it's important for you or me to make things to show that I can do some things so people can say, oh yeah, well, I could imagine this in this context. So that's why it's important, I think, to just keep doing things. And if you're bored, well, then do different things because then you will start to do those things more. Yeah. What, what are some of the moments or, or projects that you've done where you feel like you've really successfully done that, where you've, you've kind of put work out there or created something that feels a bit different to what people expect from you and, and use that to really open up new doors and new avenues? Well, I began to make uh, more music-focused videos on YouTube uh, some years ago. And I, I think, I know that this is one reason why I was then cast in Pitch Perfect 2, because they were like, oh, well, He's also a musician. This is helpful for us. He's actually playing a musician so we can use him because I was not a known actor at this point. It was important to show that I could have these skills. And then I was cast in the Suicide Squad last, well, cast a while ago, but it came out last year. But I showed that, you know, I, I love to work out. I love to have pointless muscles and burn dumb calories and eat lots of protein. This is just something that's built into my brain. So I got to do that and like show that I can spin a javelin and be a tough dude or whatever. And then, so then this role happens. So it's, you have to kind of show people things and then they can be like, oh yeah, let's, let's use that dude. Yeah. And in, in terms of the physicality with voiceover work, you know, with this project in particular, again, because it's it's a very kind of like exuberant character that's very full of energy. What what physicality is really helpful for you to have when you're in the voiceover booth? Because at the same time, you still have to kind of have a certain stillness to get the delivery in terms of the sound and the audio quality. And at the same time, you're still trying to manifest a performance with your entire body. Totally. It's look, I'm I am uh, very guilty of popping that that mic and peaking the mic and doing all kinds of things because I'm trying to do the real thing. So you have to like that. It's what you just said. There is a balance there, but. People can read if you're not actually doing the thing. Our brains can understand that you're not really jogging if you're giving lines while not really jogging, at least for me. So I like if my character is running or going upstairs, I need to be out of breath or I need to be moving in order for this to be sold. So you just have to do it. And then if it's too loud, they turn you down or scoot you back. <laughs> and with the fact, again, that you, you have done so much voiceover work in your career, what do you find are some of the biggest misconceptions of, of what that work involves or what it entails or, or how to approach it? Oh, well, I don't really know if there are misconceptions about that. I can tell you, most people assume you are in the room with other people when you record. And this is 95% of the time, it's just you. And sometimes it's just you and the sound engineer and then the director and writer and people are zooming in. The actual other actors are almost never with you. 
so I think there is this assumption that you guys are all in a group and this does happen. But with films like this, it's unlikely. These people are so, like Jane Fonda is a busy lady. So is Whoopi Goldberg, Simon Peck. They don't have time to all hang out in Providence, Rhode Island, have a coffee and record together in a room. They're busy. So we have to record separately. So that's something I think most people don't know. Yeah. And, and with this film, what, what were some of the, the challenges in terms of this project or this character or some of the aspects that working on this film that were just very unique to this film against other projects you've done in this realm? I would say there were, I mean, it was voiceover is my most favorite space uh, to play in because it's just so fun. You can try things, you can connect, it's collaborative and you play a very small role in this huge machine and get too much credit for so little work. So in this way, there are no challenges like this. For this role, it was fun to try a little different stuff. I had some emotional depth with this relationship with Jane Fonda, which I think was very fun. I often play insane or, or fun dudes, which I think Jeff still is. But to have this added layer was a very fun thing for me to do in luck. Yeah. Did, did you find that balance quite, quite early on in terms of, like you were saying, there's, there's the emotional resonance of the relationship that you get to bring into him alongside the comedy, because you really managed to switch between different tones so fluidly, even just within individual lines of your dialogue. Well, yeah. And this is something you, uh, we, we work on together with, with, uh, Peggy and with Kiel, even with while we're doing these sessions and we can try different flavors. It's it's all about the levels and seeing what works and what doesn't. And sometimes you know, and sometimes you don't know until later, but it's really just, look, and many things in life are trials and errors, mostly errors. Uh, and it's fun to just try a bunch of things. And that's why uh, I love this space. You can just try stuff and eventually you will get it. Who knows how long it takes? Maybe one, maybe a thousand. Who's counting? Me. Well, I really, really love that. And thank you so much for talking all about this film and sharing all these details, Flula. Thank you, Mara. Thank you. It's very great to speak with you.